The following is message number four of a Southeast Blending Conference held in Atlanta, Georgia on the morning of March 27, 2011. The title of the message is The Burden of the Overcomers, Experiencing and Enjoying the All-Inclusive Christ for the Building Up of the Church as the Body of Christ, the New Man, and the Kingdom of God. And the speaker is Brother Ron Kengis. Real Sense. The entire Old Testament, with the exception of the first 11 chapters, is focused on the good land, the land of Canaan. Either there is the preparation for entering the land, the formation of the people who will enter the land, the battle for the land, life in the land, the building of the temple in the land, the kingdom in the land, the grievous failure led by the kings in the land, the separation from the land, and the return to the land to rebuild the house of God. So in history and also in prophecy, the Old Testament is a book of the land. When the Lord Jesus returns, he will return specifically to this land. He will set his feet on the Mount of Olives, which will split in two. And then he will establish his throne in Jerusalem. And during the age of the kingdom, the overcomers who are shepherding the nations will require everyone once a year to go up to Jerusalem to worship the Lord of hosts in Jerusalem. Amen. So the land, literal and geographical, is the center in the Old Testament. The land is also a type, uh, a symbol with spiritual significance. And God has ordained in his creation that so many positive things may be illustrative of Christ or of spiritual things. So God created vines so that the Son of God in the flesh could say, I am the true vine. Amen. There are stars, of course. Our Lord is the bright morning star. Don't you want to see him as the morning star? He is the son of righteousness. He is the reality of so many lovely, positive things in God's creation. And the greatest type of Christ, a type of his all-inclusiveness, is the land of Canaan, a literal, physical place, with geographical and historical significance, past, present, and future. 
our focus in this conference is on the all-inclusive Christ typified by this land. Historically, <clears throat> God by covenant promised the land to Abraham and in Genesis 15, Abraham had quite a deep experience related to this. He knew that his descendants would pass through a time of trial before they would enter the land. In the meantime, the iniquity of the inhabitants of the land would eventually be filled up. We need to realize that our God is a God of righteousness. Whatever he does is right. He is the possessor of the earth, both by creation and redemption. As the owner of the earth, does he not have the right to possess it as he wills and to dispossess unlawful occupants? When I, in fellowship with Brother Lee, moved to Irving, Texas from Anaheim in 1985 and rented my house in Anaheim, the renter, after one month, stopped paying rent for a year. So we had to dispossess him. That was not an unrighteous, inhumane act. He was an illegal occupant, and he needed to be removed by the proper means. So please don't sympathize in your natural life with all the evil inhabitants of the land of Canaan that had to be exterminated so that the children of Israel could enter their inheritance. We need to have God's view of everything. Now, central to our fellowship this weekend is this realization, and actually the whole conference is focused on this. Israel could not possess Canaan without a fight. If they are afraid of war, if they are not trained for war, if they have no heart for war, they cannot advance. They would remain unendingly in the wilderness. And God's purpose to have a dwelling place and a kingdom on the earth would not have been fulfilled. Uh, some people perhaps males especially, by temperament or by disposition, welcome combat. Uh, it's an opportunity for them to prove uh, their manhood. Others, by temperament, they're inward, they're sensitive, they're poetical. They like to get along with everyone. And they shun this. 
Well, whatever our temperament is, the fact is, there is the element of war in the Christian personal and corporate experience. And one of the statuses of the church unveiled in Ephesians is the warrior. We would not make this the main aspect. The main aspect is the body, the new man, the bride. But if there is no warrior, then the enemy who is out to frustrate everything related to God's purpose will not be defeated. So we cannot just say we want to be the bride and love the bridegroom and sing love songs to the Lord Jesus. But please do not speak to me of spiritual combat. If that remains your attitude and your stance, then the Lord has no choice but firmly yet kindly to set you aside. Then you cannot participate in the burden of the overcomers to apply to the situation on the earth through battle the absolute victory of Christ in his death and resurrection. This is a responsibility of the church. And those of us that are not young realize that even in the human social situation, reluctantly, sometimes nations must go to war. What choice did we have once Pearl Harbor is bombed? Do you just make nice? This is an illustration. It's not a political point. There is a very real war going on day and night in the spiritual realm. And even those believers that have some understanding of this in relation to the church may misperceive the present central aspect of this battle, and it concerns whether or not the believers in Christ will actually experience and enjoy Christ in his all-inclusiveness or not. Even when we think of spiritual warfare the image may be of good guys, bad guys, shooting it out in the skies. And the cavalry coming at the last minute to rescue everybody. We may not have ever considered seriously 
that the enemy does not want us to experience the all-inclusiveness of Christ. He understands something of God's intention. And the fact is this, according to the picture in the Old Testament, if Israel had remained in Egypt with the Passover lamb, they would have ex experienced God's redemption. Even one bargaining point of Pharaoh was to say, worship God in the land. Stay in the land and worship. It is an accurate observation to say, the vast majority of genuine believers on the earth today are in Egypt. They have never left the world system. <clears throat> Actually, their kind of religion is part of the world system. <clears throat> and many of their values are the values of the world system. And the very energizing element of the world system energizes them, and that's money. We do not deny that they are redeemed. They can come together and sing, redeemed, how I love to proclaim it. They are. But they have no part in God's purpose to build up a corporate expression of himself and to establish a kingdom on the earth. A minority in their experience have made an exodus from Egypt. And they are in the wilderness construed positively as a realm of separation where they have some revelation and the supply of manna. This is a real advance. And it's necessary to pass through this stage to the good land. But God's purpose cannot be fulfilled with manna in the wilderness. The object or the goal of redemption and the exodus and the revelation and the manna was the good land. And God's intention was to bring the people there within a period of days, of days. Then Moses sent out spies, 12 of them. And this will lead us into our particular subject this morning. They were to spy out the land 
and come back and give a report. So they spied and they reported. And ten of them said something very much like this. It's really a good land. Look at these grapes we brought as a sample and testimony. It's a very good land, but we can't possibly take it. We are simply unable to overcome it. All the people we saw were giants. And many of the inhabitants were abnormally large. They were Nephilim. They were produced by evil spirits and human females. It was hideous. And then they went on to say, when we looked at these giants, we felt we were just like grasshoppers. In our sight, we were grasshoppers. And also in their view of us, we're a bunch of grasshoppers. <clears throat> and they have chariots of iron. They have advanced warfare, accoutrements, equipment. The cities are walled. We can't possess the land. No matter what God said, we can't. We are not able. Then Caleb and Joshua said, Let us go up at once, for we are well able to overcome it. Okay, how do you account for this disparity, this difference? Ten say, we can't. We can't defeat giants. We don't have chariots of iron. We can't possess those cities. How can grasshoppers subdue giants? And that kind of speaking immediately spread to the whole congregation. There was an extreme crisis. Then two others, also typical Israelites, they had the same experiences of the lamb in Egypt and of the manna in the wilderness. They had an entirely different report. The Lord's people need to decide something one by one before the Lord concerning their own future. Will you stand with the ten or with the two? You read Numbers 13 and 14 <clears throat> in the light of Hebrews 3. And Paul in Hebrews diagnoses the situation of the ten 
and of the multitude by calling it an evil heart of unbelief. An evil heart of unbelief. And Hebrews chapter 3, maybe around verse 7 or 8, says, We should not have an evil heart of unbelief in departing from the living God. Then toward the end of Hebrews 3, we're told they did not, they could not enter in because of unbelief. And the unbelief consisted at least in part in this. In evaluating everything according to themselves as the criterion. We are not able to do it. We're not giants. How can we defeat giants? They may be more than three feet taller than us. And they have chariots of iron <coughs> and etc., uh, etc. Et so taking themselves as the criterion and measuring the situation by themselves and forgetting the living God, the ark of the testimony, and the word of God, they concluded, we cannot do it. That is not humility. That is an evil heart of unbelief. That's the word the scripture uses. And Hebrews draws upon this entire episode. To confront the believers who are in distress. And ask them to consider. And to warn them. You, believer in Christ, may have an evil heart of unbelief. Just as the majority of the people had at that time. Joshua and Caleb gave an entirely different report. And they saw the same giants, the same chariots, the same walled cities, but they were conscious of the fact Jehovah is with us. Don't say, what are we compared to giants? Rather say, what are giants compared to Jehovah? Amen. Do you think our God is intimidated by some nine foot tall shrimps on the earth? Even if they have six fingers on each hand, some of them? To ask the question is to answer it. The Lord is with us. The ark of the testimony is with us. 
We have the word of the Lord. Let us go up at once. Not just let us go up. Parents know how children can dawdle in their obedience. You tell them it's bedtime now, they go to bed. And do you not have in your mind memory clips of the little one obeying, sort of, <laughs> but slowly, deliberately dawdling, delaying? That's not obedience. That is disobedient obedience. <laughs> this word at once. Let us go up at once and possess it. We are well able to overcome it. Well able. Okay. This is the spirit of an overcomer. And it's the first of the three aspects of an overcomer that I'll mention in this substantial opening word. But the majority of the people would not listen to them. They would not believe the good report. We need to realize in our natural life we are much more likely to believe the negative report. We can't do it. They're giants. And that brought about from God a governmental action of utmost severity in which he said, in effect, you said that your little ones would be devoured there in the land. You will wander in this wilderness until every man of war falls down dead. And your little ones whom you said would be devoured, they will possess the land. And once that decision was made, it was irrevocable. You read the end of the chapter, chapter 13 of Numbers. Some said, oh, we, we changed our mind. We're going to go up, even with the ark. But they were presumptuous. Once God changes his mind in the sphere of his permissive will, you can't touch it. No one can touch it. Not Moses, not Joshua, not Caleb, nobody. The ultimate insult to God, other than to worship an idol, is to not believe in him. To have an evil heart of unbelief and not believe in him. So Joshua and Caleb overcame in the first of three ways by standing with the word, by standing with the Lord, by giving a positive testimony, these giants will be our bread. They will not devour us. We will devour them. 
I'm pretty sure General Mills or Kellogg will never put out a brand of cereal called Nephilim. <laughs> you know, with little giants in there for you to munch on. But this is their view. This is the spirit of an overcomer. Don't speak to me about giants. My Lord Jesus destroyed the giant of giants on the cross. Amen. The chief of the giants has been destroyed by, by the man, by a Jewish God man from Nazareth. Amen. He destroyed the king of the Nephilim. Now we are going forth in his victory. Don't talk to me about giants. Okay, it's easy for us to say amen to this when we are conceiving of the giants objectively. But the test is actually different from that. Because eventually we will realize the Nephilim are inside of us. Horrible developments of the self. When you're young, you can't see this. When you advance in the experience of life, you're ready for this to be exposed. The satanic element in the self. The monster of disposition. The giant of peculiarity. Inside of you. Your mood, your this, your that. And these things increase with human age unless there's an antidote. And you have Joshua as the spirit in your spirit. But what do you look at? When you consider your own being, what do you believe? Excuse me to say this, I know whereof I speak. There's even a hymn written by A.B. Simpson in our hymnal. There is a foe the Christian well may fear. It's about the giants. About the Nephilim. And our brother says in that hymn that these haughty Nephilim will be slain by Caleb's sword. What middle-aged and older saints need to be able to do is to say, all right, I've got the flesh, it's incurable. My soul has undergone a mutation to become the self, and it's hideous. And I've got a disposition that is impossible. And I have a peculiarity, and I have an independence streak, and I have all of this. This is actually what is going on in the realm of my natural life. But I have Joshua in my spirit. Amen. 
He is well able to defeat every negative thing in my own being. I do not believe in my history. I do not believe in my condition. I do not believe in my disposition. I do not believe in my peculiarity. I do not believe in my weaknesses. I believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. He is well able to conquer and possess my entire being. Otherwise, the enemy will entice you to look at yourself, analyze yourself, introspect. And the more you look at the dark side of your being, the more the faith will just leak out of you. Until you have no heart, then you conclude it's impossible. Maybe my grandchildren will make it. It's impossible. Then you believe the lie. Now you receive wave upon wave of accusation. The zeal of your youth, the consecration in your 20s, it's all wiped out. Except, we're not going to let this happen to you. We're not going to leave you in that condition. We are going to fight on your behalf until you realize the victorious Christ is in your spirit. And nothing that's in you is any match for him. He destroyed the devil himself. How much more some two-bit Nephilim. Just a mere private first class. He's big. He's ugly. Here's when we need the spirit of Caleb. Regarding our own situation. No. John saw the new Jerusalem, a city of glory. I'm part of that. I'm not going to stay the way I am. I do not believe in my condition. I do not believe in my history. I do not believe in my weakness. I believe in Jesus, the victorious Christ. And he is well able to clear all the giants in me. Then, as he clears the giants within us, I'll tell you, now the enemy is really fearful. Here comes an army composed of those who do not spare themselves. One edge of the sword has killed the giants within them That is the most difficult part. Now they're coming after me. Actually, enemy, you're not worth our coming after you. We are coming after Christ. You just happen to be in the way. So we are going to cut you to pieces. Because you're so audacious. 
as to block our way from the experience and enjoyment of the all-inclusive Christ. You will not yield. So we are here standing in the victory of Christ as his body to force you. We are not afraid of you. We know the real situation. You, enemy, are afraid of us. Amen. Why was Joshua, uh, uh, um, Jericho, enclosed? They were terrified. Amen. The enemy is the one who's afraid. But we will not even allow him to make us occupied with him. You're merely an obstacle. Our eyes are set on the all-inclusive Christ. Amen. Just like Caleb, when he took the tour there, he realized this hill country. When the wandering years are over and the initial battles have been fought, and it's time for my allotment, I'm asking for Hebron. Don't tell me the sons of Anak are there. I have a history of fighting giants. Don't tell me I'm 80 and I'm past time. The, the example of the two overcomers, were, they were not kids. Joshua and Caleb, they were not kids. They led the young adults, the young people, as to be the army. But the command, the strategy, the direction is not with them. It has to be with the old guys in your eyes. But Caleb said, my, net, my strength is not lessened. My eyesight is not dim. I am well able for war. Give me this hill country. I want Hebron. So the account is brief. Caleb goes up, possesses it, end of story. If, I don't know how the message will unfold from this point, but if we would allow the Lord as the author and perfecter of faith to infuse more element of faith into us, all the labor for this conference would have been effectual. That the brothers and sisters can realize the good land is for me. I have a portion here. We are well able to possess it. I will not stay where I am the rest of my life. I will not be defrauded of my possession. Joshua, we're one with you. Caleb, we're one with you. Let us go up at once Amen. and possess it. Amen. So this was the main exercise of the overcoming on the part of Joshua and Caleb. A second aspect was they could not separate themselves from the nation of Israel and be a little clique of overcomers to say, you're a bunch of wimps, you were whining, you're in unbelief, you're cowards. We should get medals, we should get promotion. Moses, come on, 
but let us go. They can't do that. Speaking in the New Testament terms, they're part of the body, they're part of the new man. They cannot separate because of apparent spiritual superiority. They have to be one with the people of God. And they have to go through a lot of things. And they have to experience a great deal of loss as they see one by one, one by one, their companions from their generation fall in the wilderness. They have to experience the massive rebellion of Korah. So many things. It becomes part of their equipping, part of their discipline. And then the third aspect of their overcoming was the actual warfare for the land. But that aspect of overcoming follows the first two. The writer of Hebrews was so burdened that we would guard our hearts, that we would be guarded from an evil heart of unbelief. They could not enter in because of unbelief. You can say, it's because of the giants. It's because of this. It's because my situation is so difficult. It's, it's because of my health. It's because of my finances. It's because of the, the price of gasoline. It, it's because of the housing market. It's because this and that, this and that. No, it's not because of this and that. The real factor is inward. What kind of heart do we have? Maybe we should be praying right now inwardly. Lord, give me a heart of faith. I fully disagree with an evil heart of unbelief. No enemy, I reject your strategy of making me compare myself with giants. You tell me, look at yourself, compare yourself with giants. I will tell you, look at the Lord Jesus on the throne of God. Amen. Compare yourself with him. You creep, you two-bit rebel against God's government. The lake of fire was prepared for the devil and for you. Amen. Have you not read in 1 Corinthians, the overcoming saints will judge angels. No, I will not look at myself. You dare to accuse me? of this and that and this and that and this and that, I will not reason with you. I will overcome you by the blood of the Lamb. Amen. I was in a meeting with some brothers, and one brother went deep, deep into the self. He turned to me and began to accuse and attack. I said, I answer all accusations by the blood of Jesus. He went on. I said again, I answer all accusations by the blood of Jesus. He continued. I said a third time, and this is a principle. I answer all accusations by the blood of Jesus. 
And he got up and left. They overcame him, not because they were perfect. They overcame him, not because they have no weaknesses. They overcame him, not because they haven't failed. They overcame because of the blood of the Lamb. Then they give the word of their testimony. And that is the word about how the God-man Jesus destroyed the devil on the cross. And God raised him from the dead. And we point the enemy, we point the evil angels over this part of the country. Look through the air. Who is on the throne? Your leader? Not only God is on the throne, there's a man in the glory. Our Lord Jesus is there. And you know what? Where he is, that's where we're headed. Will you allow the overcomer producing Christ to impart such a spirit of faith into weak little you to make you part of the corporate Joshua with his companion Caleb? And we face the future with this kind of faith. The best is ahead of us. Mainly what we've had was the lamb, the manna, and a little bit of the remainder of the produce in the good land. Now, we are actually going to possess the all-inclusive Christ in the body and for the body the enemy resists, so there has to be war. So be it. Let's go up and fight. Amen. Now, message four. <laughs> what message I've been, I've been giving, I don't know. <laughs> but some kind of some kind of message. <laughs> Outline four. To look at this same matter from the angle that's presented here. The burden of the overcomers. That's both their responsibility. And also the burden in their own being. Experiencing and enjoying the all-inclusive Christ for the building up of the church as the, king, as the body of Christ, the new man, and the kingdom of God. These two things. One indicator that the Lord is producing you as an overcomer is that you care for Christ more than ever before. You love Him. You enjoy Him. You, you, you aspire to know Him. You are learning of Paul to pursue Him. Those verses in Philippians, I have not attained. I like to echo those words. I have not arrived. 
I have no sense that I have arrived. But I press on. This morning, I'm not simply going on. I'm not strolling on. I am pressing on. Enemy, get out of my way. You think I'm just an individual pressing on? You touch me, enemy. You touch the body of Christ. Thank the Lord he gave us today. One whole day to advance in the experience and enjoyment of the all-inclusive Christ. For what purpose? It's for the building up of the church. Yes, we hope in the Lord to receive the reward of being with him in the kingdom. But even that will not become an obsession. Lord, you want the church. You want your corporate expression. You want the church built up. Now something is forming in Tallahassee. Lord, we want to see a normal formation of an expression of your body in Tallahassee. Amen. And we will fight for this. Amen. Chattanooga. Something is forming in Chattanooga, in Birmingham, Amen. and so many other places. Amen. For the sake of the church in these places, we will experience Christ. And we will pursue him for the building up. To give birth to a child, that's wonderful. Now to build up that child into a mature adult, that is quite an endeavor. It costs your whole being. And the church is built up as the body of Christ, the new man, and the kingdom of God. Now we have a section on the overcomers and a section on the church. The overcomers experience and enjoy the all-inclusive Christ typified by the good land. So this is the, one of the first indicators. They're experiencing Christ. Whenever I receive an email or a text from someone sharing something of Christ, I have the sense this is an action of overcoming. Most of our human situations either are not easy or at the least they're not interesting most of the time. And to experience something of Christ and to enjoy something of Christ, that's an act of victory. Because so many Christians do not pursue Christ. You just listen in to some of the, the real famous persons on their programs, male or female. And I'm not saying to have a critical spirit, a discerning spirit. You ask, does this person pursue Christ? Does this person, the speaking of this person, 
Does it encourage you to pursue Christ? Where is the pursuit of Christ in North America? The actual pursuing of Christ in order to gain Him. Because so many Christians do not pursue Christ in order to gain Him. God needs the overcomers. Even among devoted Christians. Can't you say in all genuineness, are you not a devoted Christian? Then why would you pay the price to come here? To do your best to overcome the limitations of your circumstances. To come here for 48 hours. If you're not devoted, if you're not consecrated, if you're not serious, you are. But even among devoted Christians, it is hard to find overcomers. Defined in this way, those who are pursuing Christ in order to gain him. This is the first characteristic. Lord, I'm not pursuing an experience. I'm not asking even for new light. I'm not seeking a feeling. I am pursuing you, Lord. You, yourself. As the good land. I am determined to possess you today. I am pursuing you. Well, then the Lord will arrange every detail of our lives. Then mainly hide himself in these situations. Then we will need to consider, do I only see the situation? Do I only see this traffic delay? Is that all I see? Don't you see the connection between the traffic and the opportunity to gain Christ right here, right now? I need to be reminded of this again and again. So we look to the Lord to infuse this pursuing spirit into our being. Please don't try to generate it yourself. It won't last. Some of us have tried so often, we don't have the heart to try again. Don't try again. Just turn to the Lord. Let him infuse you. Let him energize you. And you will pursue more ardently than at any time in your life. No young person will be able to match you in intensity. I have to tell you, you're no match for us. You have more energy. <laughs> but is, is this not the case? Is there not more desperation, more eagerness in you to gain the Lord in the time you have? If we would be produced as the overcomers, we need to know 
what the recovery is, where the recovery is, and what kind of persons can take the recovery on. Not what kind of persons are in the recovery. All kinds of persons are in the recovery. What kind of person can take the recovery on? The second message was on the corporate Joshua. If there's no Joshua, there's no movement. There's no leadership. There is no factor of advance. Joshua was prepared over decades. Then he was manifested. He had no choice. And the people had no choice. There's no election. There's no democracy in the church. That's Laodicea. Elders are not voted. Co-workers do not function according to a poll. But this Joshua is corporate. Composed of those who are experiencing and enjoying Christ as Joshua, the warrior, the fighter, the one who is fighting to bring them into himself. He knows you're seeking him. Now you're under the weight of this. This is pressing you. This is weighing on your heart. The situation of your children is distressing. This and that. It's weighing on you. The enemy is using these things to weigh you down. Then you discover, yes, that's going on. But I have a mighty warrior in my spirit. And he is breaking through my own being. No, my spirit will not be oppressed. No, I will not be down. I will turn my heart to the Lord right now. And having turned my heart, I will exercise my spirit to contact him. I do not believe in my feeling. I do not believe in this oppression. I believe in the victorious Christ. Well, the kind of person who can take the recovery on may not necessarily be an elder. Some elders or leading ones are totally unable to take the church on. Rather, they hold the church back. And simply being a co-worker or a full-timer doesn't mean that you're the kind of person who can take the recovery on. There are sisters, most of them older, whose lives are hidden with Christ in God. When they appear before the Lord, the Lord may very well say of them, because of you, because of your prayers, because of your experiences, I had a way to go on. Even you realized, temporarily, the co-workers are hemmed in. This brother is hemmed in by the enemy's attack. You're aware of that. You pray. Nobody knows. If they knew, your function would be over. It has to be hidden. You pray, and because of that, because of you as a channel, 
The recovery has a way to go on. We'll have an elders training in less than a week. Will we advance? Will we have a way to go on? It doesn't depend just upon the ability of certain ones, but certain persons take their recovery on. In the Lord's recovery today, we are on a battlefield. Thus, we should be today's Joshua and Caleb, fighting against Satan's aerial forces so that we can gain more of Christ for the building up of the church. We need to learn of Joshua and Caleb to represent God's interest in this age, to fight down the enemies so that Christ can be gained by the believers and that Christ can be increased by his pursuers. But actually, even in our praying and our fighting, we may not have this concept. But in Joshua, the fighting is the battle to dispossess the enemy so that God's people can possess the land. Eventually, some ones, the brothers through the ministry of the word, the leading ones through the organic administration of the church with the shepherding, all the saints functioning in the God-ordained way, and especially experienced and learning sisters, praying with authority in the spirit of the body, binding, declaring the victory of the Lord over the enemy, and loosing unprecedented experiences of Christ. It's time to be delivered from the routine, from the ordinary, from the expected, from the stale, from the old. There are infinite riches stored up in the heavens. Riches of Christ. They need to be channeled to the earth. The enemy is blocking them in the air, doing all kinds of things in the saints to distract them. Some need to wake up and say, no, no, I didn't come this far. I didn't stay here this long to perish in the wilderness. I will not fall in the wilderness. I'm going into the good land and I'm not going in alone. And don't worry about your limited experience. Don't worry about that. This is where you should have the proper appreciation for those who are not young, yet they're not old. They're not opinionated. They're not stale. You have Joshua. You have Caleb. You have what you need. Just honor the Lord's arrangement and we will advance. I believe between now and the end of this year, very many of us in this room will have an experience and enjoyment of Christ that far surpassed anything we've ever known and anything we ever thought possible. Amen. Glorious days are ahead of us. Amen. What a Christ lies ahead of us. Look at this land. Amen. It's a land of wheat. It's a land of barley. Look at the pomegranates. Look at the fig trees. Hallelujah. Hallelujah.
We all have got a share here. We have an allotment here. But the enemy wants to frustrate us. So let's deal with him. If we don't know how, we won't pretend to know how. We'll say, Lord, we present ourselves to you. Form us into the corporate Joshua to drive this enemy out of our way. We do not agree that the Lord's recovery in the United States after being established here for almost 50 years should stagnate and get old. No way. We're just getting going. We will progress outwardly and practically through the gospel and through GTCA and other ways. And we will progress inwardly and intrinsically by pursuing and enjoying Christ. And these two aspects of the work and the ministry go in parallel. Amen. I'm so glad to be alive in the Lord's recovery. Amen. I'm not looking back to Eldon Hall, to the migrations in the 70s, or whatever. I'm not looking back. I'm pressing forward. Amen. The best time is ahead. Christ is ahead. Amen. I'm encouraged. How about you? Amen. If no one else is in encouraged by my speaking, I'm encouraged. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. We are well able to overcome it. Amen. Let us go up at once and possess it. Because, because very few Christians are like Paul in pursuing the all-inclusive Christ. God needs the overcomers. If we would be overcomers, we need to be today's Joshua and Caleb, fighting to take possession of the God-promised land. A little footnote on Caleb that I appreciate. It seems that he and Joshua were contemporaries. They were companions, and they both, along with the other ten, were sent to spy out the land. They both gave this positive report. Caleb was singled out as having a different spirit. But when Joshua was put into the lead, you don't sense in Caleb any disappointment, any jealousy, any rivalry. Any feeling, why him and not me? Why not the two of us? If, 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 it can't, if I can't be alone, then how about we have a, a co-captainship, whatever? <laughs> what purity? He accepted the Lord's arrangement. He was not in rivalry with Joshua. He was not diminished by Joshua's function. And at the same time, Joshua didn't make himself the man, not needing anybody. He knew who Caleb was. I don't know what kind of fellowship they had, maybe in the kingdom. I suspect that they had times together. They're the only two that could understand each other. You have no one else with whom you can communicate. No one has the same heart. They were companions. And those two companions, they were in the principle of the body. Amen. They had the same goal, no rivalry, no jealousy, not a fissure between them. 
Okay, now we have the section on the church, which we can read through in about 15 minutes, to give us a view of the goal of all this overcoming and pursuing. The overcomers care for the building up of the church as the body of Christ, the new man, and the kingdom of God. I like this word care. They care for the church. Not for themselves, first, not for their own interests. The church is the body of Christ, which is an organism constituted with the triune God and his chosen and redeemed ones. Okay, the overcomers are learning this. The body is the intrinsic significance of the church. It's the real meaning of the church. When you hit middle age and beyond, your being craves something more than an outward church life as necessary as an outward practical church life is. That is the hunger for the body. Christ is the head and we are the members of his body. To live in the body is to live corporately with the members under the head. There is only one unique head. I wish, it probably won't happen, but I wish that certain dear ones under the influence of culture, they would just stop looking for the leader. I know by your culture, you like to have the man. That's all you know. And maybe you thought that's what Brother Lee was, but he wasn't. But you understood him according to your culture, that he was this, that he was that. Let's just recognize no co-worker is the head. Nobody's the czar. No one's the CEO. We are members of the body under the unique head. And we're living under the head. The body grows with the growth of God. God in himself cannot grow, but God is certainly growing in us. The growth of the body depends on the growth, the increase of God within us. What a good prayer. Once you become more conscious than not conscious in the morning to say, Lord, may God grow in me today. Amen. That's good enough. You don't have to give God a message. You don't have to advise him. You just say, I want more God in me today. Amen. For the body life. We should let the peace of Christ decide all things in our hearts, in our relationship with the members of his body. The overcomers live in peace. As far as it depends on them, they are in peace with all the members. As members of the body, we need to have the consciousness of the body and a feeling for the body. This will be addressed a week from now. I don't know how the Itero attenders will uh, view this. The vast majority of them may suppose that their experts had this. 
which is one reason why we need a training. But Brother Lee points out, okay, this is an indicator of our need to advance. He says, the consciousness of the body is universal. If you have the genuine consciousness of the body, you will be able to detect and diagnose problems in the body. Just by this consciousness with your prayer to the Lord. Can we admit humbly two things? One is, you have no idea what I'm saying, really. <laughs> Number two, if you have any idea, you've never experienced this. Okay, this is not a put down. It's meant to open up another dimension to us of living in the body with its consciousness so that you weep with those who weep. You rejoice with those who rejoice. You sense something that's not really personally related to you. You bring it to the Lord. You inquire of the Lord. You get some spiritual understanding. So-and-so is under attack. He cannot communicate this. But the head knows. And the head makes members of the body consciousness of the attack on this member. And now you pray. No one can send a text. No church news. No outward announcement. By the time all that could happen, the situation is over. So we will have more and more feeling for the body. The body is versus the self. <clears throat> the hindrance to seeing the vision of the body and to practicing the body is the self. And so the overcomers see this. They see the body. They know the body. They see the self. They know the self. They make the choice. The self in every aspect of its expression must go. I'm not here for myself. I do not want anything for myself. If I were somehow a single person my age, needing a companion, I would tell her, you join yourself to me. There's nothing for yourself. In what I do, there's nothing for the self. I'm not a hero. This is just normal. This is the result of decades of the Lord's dealing. Nothing for the self. If you are visiting us for the first time, we have to tell you, we, won't, we welcome you. We love you. We receive you because the Lord does. But we won't cajole you. We won't try to convince you to come. We offer you nothing. There's only Christ here. Christ and his body, the church. That's all. We don't offer you this or that after five years. Nothing. Nothing. <laughs> nothing. Overcomers are satisfied with nothing because they're satisfied with the Christ who is everything. Overcomers see the body, know the body, care for the body, honor the body, and do the work of the body, all of this is a result of experiencing and enjoying the all-inclusive Christ. 
Overcomers are body conscious and body centered. They are daily saved in Christ's life by the Spirit through the work of the cross from every aspect of the self, the enemy of the body. Then we have a little bit on the new man. The church has the new man. The new man is Christ constituted into us. The Christ we enjoy as our God-allotted portion becomes the constituent of the new man. So you enjoy Christ as pomegranates with the abundance of life, and this abundance of life becomes a constituent in you, making you part of a corporate person, the new man. Through enjoying the all-inclusive, extensive, preeminent Christ, we experience him as the content and constituent of the new man. The issue of our experience and enjoyment of Christ is the church as the new man. As we enjoy Christ, he is constituted into us and we become the new man. We become new, no matter how old we are physically. We who are not young, if we're constituted with Christ, are much newer than you old young people. <laughs> You're too young to be new. <laughs> we got to be older to be new through being constituted with Christ. You don't get new just by getting old. You get old by getting old. <laughs> But oh, to grow old physically, and every day you're getting constituted with Christ. It's hard to describe what kind of person you are. You're obviously elderly, but wow, are you full of sap. <laughs> are you ever fruitful? You're an olive tree, you're a fig, you're a pomegranate. You're just bursting with life energy, yet you actually use handrails when you go up and down <laughs> stairs. <laughs> because you're not young. And then you don't envy the young. You really don't. In a certain sense, you kind of feel sorry for them. <laughs> because you realize, whoa, whoa, whoa. You have no idea the distance between you and me. You're going to make it here, and you're going to make it faster. But you have no idea uh, what's ahead of you. Uh, you just don't worry about it. We'll cover you. We'll pray for you. But... Wow, do you ever have a journey ahead of you? Just keep putting one foot in front of the other, looking away unto Jesus. Remember, we're going to fight for you. We're going to cover you. We won't abandon you. And then we'll all end up a full-grown man. And the full-grown man will be the prepared bride. Because Christ is all and in all, in the new man, there is room only for Christ. There is no room for the natural man. You might have been student council president in high school. You were just so popular. You were the cheerleader of cheerleaders, and you were this, and you were that, and you go to college, and you're this. And your personality tests, they just put you way up there, and you were just so attractive, and, and you're likable, and people want to be with you. And then you hear this word, there's no room for any of that in the new man. <laughs> no room for your cute, 
sweet, natural life. I admit, cute, sweet, ooh, like a jar full of honey, sweet. No, God created you in a certain way. He will redeem and uplift his creation. But all that you are by nature will be replaced by the all-inclusive Christ. Since Christ is all and in all in the new man, and we are part of the new man, we are part of Christ. What a, what a light. You are part of Christ. And if you were not here, brother, with your portion of Christ, there would be a lack. And the Lord himself would sense the lack, and those who know the body deeply would realize something is missing. Because we don't have this brother's portion. But thank the Lord, brother, you're here. I don't know who you are, but I'm glad you're here. And the body and the new man need your Christ. You're an indispensable part of the one new man. The only way Christ can be all in all in the new man is for him to be constituted into us. Then now the last aspects aspect of the church. The kingdom of God is the ruling, the reigning of God with all its blessing and enjoyment. The kingdom of God as the reign of God is a realm not only of the divine dominion but also of the divine species in which are all the divine things. Didn't you enjoy the worship of the Father when we were worshiping the Father there? Why do we call God our Father? Okay, this is really deep. The reason we call God our Father is that God is our Father. <laughs> That's not a mere title. You know, that, that, that if you go to a formal place, the pastor will say, Father. In conversation, he'll say, Father. But when you're doing the thing with the robes on, you say, Father. <laughs> My dear children never came and said, Father. <laughs> I thought, what have I produced? I'm, I'm dad, I'm daddy, father, <laughs> come on. Let's go out for some Jamoka Amon Fudge, father and son. Forget this father business. But we, are, we, have, been, we have been born of God. He actually is our father. So we have his life in nature. So we are of God's species. But my children do not have my fatherhood. And we do not have God's godhood or fatherhood. But we have his DNA. We may say his life in nature. The kingdom is the shining of the reality of the Lord Jesus. To be under his shining is to be in the kingdom. Oh, it's so pleasant. So pleasant. You just want to open your being and say, Lord, just shine into me. 
You're the son of righteousness. Oh, oh, it's so soothing, so healing. You don't scorch me, but you penetrate deep in my being. And this soothing light is actually a kind of radium killing myself, killing the old man, shriveling my disposition. Lord, I just love to live under your shining. That's the kingdom. If you're new, and even if you're not new, you may realize afresh, there's a lot of light here. We are children of light. We are light in the Lord. We have been born of God who is light, and now we are light. John 8, the Lord Jesus said, I am the light of the world. In Matthew 5, the Lord Jesus said, you are the light of the world. So is the Lord, the head, the light of the world, or are we, the body, the light of the world? And the answer, of course, is yes. The Father delivered us out of the authority of darkness. Anything possessing our being in a negative way controlling us, dominating us, and transferred us into the kingdom of the Son of His love. Oh, what an atmosphere, the Son of His love. Here we taste in the very atmosphere the love of the Father for the Son, and now the Son is in the many sons, and so the Father loves us even as He loves His own Son. And we love one another in this love. Wonderful. The Son of God is the embodiment and expression of the divine life. Hence, the kingdom of the Son is a realm full of life, light, and love. The church today is the kingdom of the Son of the Father's love, which is delightful to God the Father and to us. <clears throat> the Lord's goal is to build up such a church. And he's doing this on the earth, in the local churches, all of which are expressions of the one body. But in order for such a church to be built up, the believers need to possess, experience, and enjoy the all-inclusive Christ. Through their experience and enjoyment of this Christ, the church is built up as the body, the new man, and the kingdom. But the enemy is here trying to frustrate us, so we must fight. So I'd like to end this way. Since we must fight, let the battle begin. Amen. We're following Joshua. We're crossing the Jordan. We're going to possess the all-inclusive Christ. We will do this for Christ himself. We will do this for all the believers. We will do this for our portion. And we will do this on behalf of all the children of God, wherever they are. We're not a narrow little group seeking spirituality for ourselves. We are pursuing the all-inclusive Christ 
for the church as the body of Christ, as the new man and the kingdom of God. Amen. May the Lord cause us to realize how blessed we are. Amen. How blessed we are Amen. to see this, to know this, to be in this. Amen. Glory be to the triune God. Amen. Glory to the Father. Amen. Glory to the Son. Amen. Glory to the Spirit. Unto him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus forever and ever. Amen. Uh, please pray with someone nearby if you would like to for about a minute. Then we can have some prophesying for 15 or 20 minutes to confirm this word. But please pray first if you would like.